So we're finishing up our last week of our sermon series looking at healing in the Bible. And today we're finishing it off by looking at this story from this morning. Uh, We got the first part of this story from the Gospel of John, the story of the blind man healed by Jesus. Uh, And we're going to be looking today at what does this story have to contribute to our understanding of human disability. So Jesus and his crew, as they are wont to do, are walking down the road, and along the way they see a man begging. Nothing special, but does provide some fodder for conversation. So what do you guys think, the disciples say? What did that guy do to deserve it? Did he do something wrong? Did his parents? Who is God punishing for their sin? Uh, but the Bible doesn't give this blind uh, man a name, and just because the Bible doesn't give him one doesn't mean that we can't. So let's give him the name Lieber, uh, beloved in Yiddish. Wonderful name. So the disciples see Lieber sitting in the street begging. They don't know him. They don't know that, as we clearly know now, his name, his real name is Lieber. They don't even know that. And the disciples offer up this philosophical riddle. Who sinned, him or his parents? What kind of stupid question is that? Right, because this guy was born blind. How do you sin before you are born? Anybody? I don't know. Okay, anyway, so anyway, that's a stupid question. Uh, But anyway, Jesus, uh, who does he pick, Lieber or his parents? Neither. Jesus picks neither. Nobody sinned. This blindness didn't occur because of sin, he says. Then, of course, Jesus goes about healing Lieber in the same way that any old you or I might do so when we're going about curing somebody's blindness. Uh, He hawks up a big loogie, spits on the ground, uh, mixes up a nice uh, pile of mud, smears it on his face, you know, as you do, Now, sure, Jesus has a fine reason for doing it. I mean, it's hearkening back to the second creation story where God sculpted humanity out of clay and breathed life into it. Uh, But even though Jesus had this fine symbolic reason for doing it, can you just imagine it from Lieber's perspective? So first of all, nobody's talked to him yet. At all. No hello. Uh, Nobody asked him if he wanted to be healed. Nobody gave him any forewarning about a dirt and spit mud pie that's going to be smeared across his face. You know, up to this point, Lieber is a prop in the story, really. He doesn't actually get any agency. And then to top it off, he hears Jesus spit. And I mean, if you're going to have enough mud to have, you know, enough to smear across a face, you've got to spit quite a bit, right? So... So hearing him spit over and over, right? And just hears him going at it and gets this wet mud slathered across his face. Of course he can hear exactly what's going on. And then Jesus finally says, go get washed off. Um, I'm going to guess he didn't need to be told that. I mean, I'm just thinking he was probably going to do that anyway. Just, you know, up to that point. But he went off to the ritual bath and washed, and ta-da, he can see. He can magically see for the first time in his life. So Libra goes back to see what incarnation just happened, who just healed me, for it made me see for the first time in my life. And what does he find? But Jesus is just 
moseyed along with his friends, just left, not even waiting around to say hi, introduce himself, tell him what happened, you know, anything. So Lieber's just never seen this guy before, talked to him, would recognize him, you know, nothing of the sort. So anyway, part two of the story. Lieber becomes the center of a scandal. And so he tells his neighbors all of what happened to him, and they drag him before these Pharisees, these religious um, teachers of the day, if you will. But before they do, the narrator, our friend the narrator, is like, oh yeah, I kind of forgot to mention this at the beginning. All this was happening on the Sabbath, so it was all illegal. (laughs) Thanks, narrator, for, you know, giving us relevant details at the beginning of the story. That's helpful. Um, But... Lieber tells the Pharisees what happened. Now he happened to maybe, you know, leave out a couple details. Like the fact that he made the mud out of spit, which, like any bodily fluids, is ritually unclean in Judaism. And so he gives the Pharisees, let's say, an abbreviated version. An abbreviated version. And this caused the Pharisees to argue back and forth. On one side, there's like, he broke the law. But on the other it's like, yeah, but he kind of did a miracle, so I think God might be on his side. And so they're going back and forth, fighting with one another. And they turn to Lieber and ask him, what do you think? You're the one who was healed. What are your thoughts? To which he responds, I think he's a prophet. We have a dramatic cutscene. We don't get to hear what goes on with the Pharisees after this and how they react. So a cutscene, we have these folks, the Judeans, and... We jump over to them, and they've taken it on themselves to try and piece together what happened, and so they drag out to interrogate Lieber's parents. Who is he? Was he actually born blind? How can he now see if that's the case? Well, so the first set of questions is easy. Yes, that's our son. Yes, he was born blind. Yes, he apparently can see now. Uh, But we don't know what happened to him. It's rather straightforward so far, right? And that would have been that. But then our friend, the narrator, helpfully lets us know, jumps in and lets us know that these parents were, were scared about angering the Pharisees because the Pharisees had already decreed that anybody who have followed Jesus would be excommunicated from the synagogue community. It's anachronistic, yeah, it's from John's time, not Jesus's, but what can you do? Okay, so they're scared. The parents are scared. They don't, they don't want to have to, you know, they don't want to have to be kicked out of their community. So they don't leave their answer at that from earlier. They don't leave it with the simple answer. They want to get themselves out of the heat. And so they're like, I don't know, he's an adult, just ask him. No, stop asking me, go ask him. He's an adult. Stop trying to question me. And so, you know, just happened to throw their son under the bus and force the heat to be on him instead of them. Thanks. That's great. So dramatic cutscene back to the Pharisees. Dramatic cutscene. And they've moved out of their investigatory phase and they are ready to start bashing some schools together. They are out for blood. And so they call Lieber back and say, we think that this Jesus who healed you is a sinner. And Lieber's like, is there a question there? And they're like, what do you think? 
Libra's like, oh, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. That's, that's way beyond my pay grade. All I know, I was blind. I was born blind. I'm not anymore. That's all I know. Well, that wasn't what the Pharisees wanted, of course, right? They want fuel for their, for their case against Jesus and his impropriety. And so they're like, all right, tell us again in detail the mechanics of how all this happened. They're trying to, you know, get all these details so they can figure out every little thing that's wrong, so they can build up this case against Jesus. But Lieber, he's had enough of it. He's had enough of it. He flips out. He's like, I just told you all this stuff, and you didn't even listen the first time. And then... The ultimate in sass. What, do you want to become his disciples too? Oh, snap. Okay, so Libra's got sass. Um, believe it or not, <clears throat> being a smart aleck is not actually the best way to make friends. I don't know if you've learned this yet, but you'll, you'll get it as you figure out in your life. Um, so the Pharisees don't like this at all, right? So they're like, they don't like being talked back to you. Look, you're his disciple. He's a nobody. We don't even know that he's legit. We are Moses' disciples. We are Moses' disciples. We follow Moses. So Lieber's still mad, right? So he just starts ranting about how great Jesus is. And man, he's the best. Nobody's ever done this kind of stuff before. It's insane. And then the kicker, he must be from God. Um, so the Pharisees aren't a big fan of that rant and especially not the end of it and so they get up on their indignant high horses and they're like, you need to shut up, all right? You are such a bad sinner that you were born blind and you sit there and presume to teach us, the teachers, about any of this stuff. You try and teach us. You need to get out. And they kick him out. They excommunicate him from the synagogue so notice a couple of things. <clears throat> First of all, Lieber gets that exact same punishment that his parents were so scared about, right? Uh, they were trying drastically to not have to answer questions that would get them into trouble and passed the buck to their son. So thanks, mom and dad. You're the best, right? And then second, notice what the Pharisees circled back to at the end of that heated exchange right there. Just like the disciples, when we started off this story, they were trying to figure out how much of a sinner this man was that he was disabled. That's what the Pharisees sling at him too when he's heading out the door. And so Jesus hears about this and tracks Lieber down. And so Jesus, this guy that you know Lieber has never seen before and ditched him and never talked to him before and ditched him before he knew that it wasn't this cruel saliva-related prank, Jesus shows up and says, hey, how are you doing? Do you believe in the Son of Man? And Lieber's like, okay, is that how you always introduce yourself to strangers? Hi, I'm Lieber, nice to meet you. I don't know, who is he? I don't, I'm not familiar with the concept. Jesus is like, this guy, son of man. That's what I'm talking about. And Lieber falls down and worships him. Apparently he's figured out it's Jesus at this point. In response to which Jesus recaps for us very conveniently the real meaning of this story, that those who are blind will see. And we're talking metaphorically now, right? So those who are blind will see. And then these people like the Pharisees, who these teachers who know all this stuff and have all this insight supposedly 
they're really blind. And so there's this reversal. And so Jesus is applying this motif of blindness that goes throughout this whole story. This theme is coming back and he's taking it and applying it to the human condition more broadly. So, disregarding that, that um, epilogue for just a moment, this story is bookended by this question of sin and disability. The disciples were like, obviously, he, he's disabled, so somebody must have sinned. It's a punishment. And Jesus takes that and throws out the whole premise. And so notice this contrast, right? The disciples are walking along. Do they see Lieber? Not really. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. They see a blind person in the road begging, right? So, of course they see that, but they don't see Lieber. They see a conversation piece. They see a blind beggar. They don't see Lieber. They're like, oh, this would be a great intellectual discussion to have. Let's talk about this big, abstract, moral, you know, philosophical dilemma. Why is there disability in the world? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, that's where we are, this big, abstract level. And I mean, if we're talking about blindness metaphorically, then notice they're kind of being blind to Lieber, are they not? And what does Jesus do? So he not only corrects their theology, no, nobody was a sinner, that's not how this works. But he goes into this conversation emphasizing the need to work to relieve this person's suffering. You want to sit here just like philosophizing and just having these big questions that you're batting around? Get your head out of the clouds and see the work that God wants you to do right in front of you of relieving the suffering of these people that are right here, right now. So our topic today is disability. In some ways, this story is an extremely helpful story in this regard because it, it just unequivocally severs this connection between disability and sin, which is this connection that's been around for many places throughout the world through a bunch of times, some of which our own. And this is this incredibly positive aspect of this story is it just firmly says, no, these two things are not linked. But the story also has some, a little more, a couple more question marks around it, let's say. And so disability activists, for example, help us notice there's some other concerns with how this story talks about disability. And so, for example, look at the structure of this story. John is, is taking this, this particularity of blindness, right? The, this, this one specific person, Lieber, his blindness and his particular suffering that he's undergoing because of his blindness and, you know, having to beg for his livelihood, having to be a social outcast... And John's ignoring that particularity for this bigger metaphorical point, which is the very thing that Jesus is criticizing his disciples for. Is it not? Oh yeah, it's a story about blindness, but no, no, it's not, a, it's not really about Lieber's blindness, about 
this metaphorical blindness, this thing of how, you know, humanity is really blind and only through the light of Jesus can we actually see clearly. That's what John's saying. And these disability activists are like, dude, you're doing the exact thing that Jesus just said not to do, of missing the people, the actual blindness that people experience in life right in front of you in favor of this spiritual, metaphorical, quote-unquote, real or better message that you're trying to make. He doesn't care at all about real blind people. He's just using them to try and make this better point. Now, the other criticism that disability activists bring against this is actually broader than just this story. It's more about healing stories in general in the Bible. Because they say that fundamentally, what is Lieber in the story... He's a problem to be fixed. Jesus sees his blindness and there's an assumption that he's just defective. But notice the types of language that various folks who are disabled sometimes use to talk about their disability. Right? This is a major part of me. It's shaped me. It's a major part of my identity. Or I'm not some problem to be fixed. Sure, some people want medical cures, and that's great, but not everybody. My life might be harder because I'm, say, blind, but a lot of that's due to other people not knowing how to deal with me rather than me being defective or deficient in some way. That's the kind of things that some of these folks with disabilities, how they talk about this, especially these disability activists, And so notice this, back at the beginning of the story. How many times does Jesus ask Lieber whether or not he wants to be healed? Zero. Nothing. Um, Yeah, so he uh, doesn't exactly, isn't particularly chatty. He doesn't even talk to the dude beforehand, right? He's talking to his disciples and arguing about a point. And Lieber happens to be there and is a good demonstration of his point. He's, uh, right, which is exactly the point from a minute ago. Because Jesus, ironically, is demonstrating the point that you need to focus on this particular person that's right in front of you. And to do that, he just uses Lieber. He doesn't have, give him any agency. He just uses him as almost a prop to make his bigger point which is exactly what Jesus is also criticizing at the same time. It's ironic, is it not? He neglects to give this man even the most basic agency in his situation, which he gives a whole bunch of other people in this healing stories. He neglects to give him even the agency to say, do you want to be healed? And so it, it, it's actually really peculiar timing with that this topic happened to be this week with everything that's been going on in the news, in particular around uh, Greta Thunberg, this uh, 16-year-old climate activist from Sweden, been in the news all around, uh, inspired this recent wave of climate protests by young people, over 4,500 locations, 185 uh, Countries involving four million people. Unfortunately, the last one on Friday apparently just fizzled out because there were only 2,400 
locations and two million people. And, you know, she basically put together the largest climate protests that have ever happened in human history and went and talked before the UN and the US Congress. I mean, not too bad. I mean, when I was 16, just saying. I, I was basically doing the same stuff, but, you know, no one's keeping track. So, not too bad. Not too bad. So she has Asperger's syndrome, which is, which is a, on the autism spectrum, and she's emerged in the autistic community as this kind of celebrity. Because Greta's outspoken about having Asperger's, and she calls it her superpower. Because one of the aspects of having Asperger's is uh, tending to have a harder time reading and processing and responding to social cues. And so for her, for example, she's going up against literally the most powerful people in the world and talking to them and ripping into them in, to their face, not being blunt and beating around the bush. Uh, she's taking abuse from adults and the Twitter sphere and cable pundits. And, and so why does she have the guts to keep going and keep doing this stuff when she's taking so much heat for it? and uh, able to tell people straight like it is and not give up when she's getting so much abuse from people? Why is she able to be altogether undeterred in this mission of climate justice that she's committed herself to? Those very quote-unquote deficient social skills that come along with Asperger's, those are the very things that allow her to continue to be undeterred in her mission is because she's able to ignore some of these social cues, the, the proper, excuse me, proper quote-unquote social cues that other people might get really discouraged from. She's able to keep going with that thing which she feels called to because as she says, her Asperger's is her superpower. Which brings us back to Lieber, the man who was born blind. Now, for Lieber, <clears throat> fortunately, in the story, he was quite happy to be healed. Now, granted, that is through the lens of John, the presumably not disabled storyteller, and so we have no idea how much John's just projecting his own stuff onto Lieber for the sake of the story, and he put this happy person in there. But it's interesting that this story, which is one of the most liberative stories in regards to disabilities in the Bible, it still is a mixed bag. still contains these questionable elements. And it's very, very strong in severing that that association between disability and sin, that's wonderful. It's quite excellent in that regard. But it still does have several question marks about, hmm, is that really the best way to be talking about this? So from holding together both the story of Lieber and the story of Greta Thunberg, we're reminded that not only disability is not a sin, it's not a punishment of sin, but some are even able to use that disability to do the work of building God's kingdom in the world. 
So may you avoid falling into the trap that the disciples fall into of thinking you're thinking about all these things correctly and at the same time missing the very the concrete individual and individual suffering that's right in front of you. May you avoid the trap that John fell into in thinking those who have disabilities are just problems to be fixed and ignoring their lived reality for his better, bigger point. But may you rather have the vision of Jesus who cares for and about the physical needs and suffering of each individual and the vision of the creator God who looks at each person who has been created and calls them very good. May it be so.